0: The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of millennials' choice viewer discretion is advised Amy choking up right now I'm, I'm choking I just I, ch- I don't want to say it, it before our audience I could see I you're hearing yeah yeah I am. I'm, t- I'm I'm literally I get sick every time I talk about it or think about it you know I had a guy with me the old man Peruta, and he was dying of cancer he says kill me put a bullet in my hand. I said, I can't, bro, I can't. I can never pull the trigger. I could never be able to do that. I can't, I love you. Bro. You make a mistake, you get walked into a room by your best friend, you don't walk out again. here. When you have revenge in your heart, you might as well dig two graves, one for you, one for them. The minute I went into the mafia, I always felt that sooner or later I'm going to get killed or go to prison for the rest
1: of my life. Sammy the of Gravano, welcome back to the Millennial's Choice Show and thank you for having us. You have an awesome set.
0: Yes, thank you so much.
1: You. My pleasure.
0: Thank yes. you again. My Appreciate pleasure. it. My pleasure.
1: So this is the second interview that we're doing with you and we've got yes. amazing, amazing feedback from our audience. They love hearing from you. One of the best, if not the best, interview we have on our channel. And we decided, we said, we can't leave it virtual. We got to come in person and sit down with Sammy the Boga
0: So thanks for doing that. It's my pleasure. And you came back and we did the last interview. So when I was told they might come back and I immediately said, yes, you guys were gentlemen, did a great interview. I was happy with it. So we can go on. appreciate Appreciate it Uh, thank you we'll talk about the third interview a little later but uh, we'll see what happens with that
1: sounds (laughs) good and i don't want you to feel like we're disrespecting you for looking down or looking on our phone we want to get this right so we made notes i'm a big believer on writing things down and so if we're looking down, don't feel like we're No,
0: no, no. Things. That's no disrespect. That's fine. I, oh. I see. It. I know what you're doing. So. But if he's falling asleep, feel free to reach <laughs> and give him a little. Right, right, right. Give me a kick. Well, I got my dog, dog here, and, and she's trained. If somebody falls asleep, give him a little bite. Wake him up. Yeah. Do you mind if I smoke? Not us?
1: at all. You sure? Yeah, Not at all. Sure. We're happy to do that. I'm we happy to. I'm a, happy to smoke one with we you. Should have
0: brought our stove. Well, I, I can't make you smoke one with me, but. <laughs> we should have Brussels. I you to do while I started talking so. yeah that's true that's true <laughs> I could, that's, that's true Hawaii.
1: so some of the feedback we were getting from our first interview people loved hearing from you and they wanted to know more about your family so what was your family like when you were in the mafia what's your family like now what's your relationship with them I saw you recently posted it was your son's birthday I believe yes yeah so why don't you talk September, to, September and, and why don't you talk to us about
0: Ah, your family. Well, my personal family um is my wife, my ex wife. Now, uh my daughter, my son, I am still close with them. Uh, my ex wife, we broke up. It wasn't a bad thing, it was for a lot of different reasons. We're still like this, we're still super tight. She has C O P D and I take care of her as best I can. And uh, my daughter is was on a lot of shows, mob, wives, and different shows she was on. She was a producer at a certain point. She's in New York with my granddaughter, and she's great. She's like me. She's a little hot-headed, a little wits or 12 punches right away, if you bother her. So uh, one day, she put up her hands. I said, you want to fight me? Are you crazy or what? <laughs> so, my son, a uh, great kid. He's 48 now. Um And uh, he's got a couple of rabbits. He married a girl. I had a kid. So he's got that kid plus two that he did with uh, one that he did with somebody else. So he's got a nice-sized family. Good kid. Ash, I shouldn't call him a kid. He's a man at 48. But uh, to me, everybody, once you hit a certain age, everybody's a kid. They're, They're younger than you. So I have a great family. They're very supportive of me. Um, The whole I've got 22 years of my life in prisons and they've been by my side the whole time, whether it's commissary money that they send books, cards, every holiday, every birthday, every everything. Um, So they stayed, And every time I got out of prison, they were there waiting. And then when I went in, they would say goodbye. So I got a great family, a lot of love and a lot of respect for each other. And uh, we're still tight. So you became a granddad, and how was that for you? That was that was good. I mean, I was out the first time when they had uh, two of them, two grandchildren, and one of them, I think, was one, the other one was three. When I went back in, I came out, they were growing a little bit, and that's life in prison. All these things happen to you. People die, especially when you do a long bit. Um, my last bit I did close to 18 years straight. So, uh, but, um, you know, this is a tough life that I've been living in the mafia and stuff like that. But uh, I had a dual personality. I had, in the mafia, I was a little on the rough side and then I had a good side where I was in businesses and real estate and construction and did a lot of different things. So, uh, even Paul Castellano said, you know, a gangster is a, a thug, tough guy, does murders, does all kinds of things. And a racketeer is mostly business and stuff like that. He said, uh, you know, it's uh, very rare that somebody is a gangster and a racketeer at the same time. He said, but we're lucky we have a few guys like that. He pointed to, down the table and he said, Sammy's one of them. So I had two hats I would wear. I'm a little bit of a tough guy, gangster and a little bit of a racketeer business-wise and Union-wise, and he started using me in that field. So I had a very, you know, interesting life. Yeah. So... So during those challenging times, like,
1: the family, did it help you uh, get through it? Like, sometimes we watch these movies and we see, like, the mob wives and they're involved. Uh, You watch Goodfellas and you see his wife was, you know, when they were coming to arrest them, they were... She was dumping all the coke in the toilet and and trying to hide it and things like that. So, um, like... Were they, did they help you go through the challenging times while you were in the mafia? No. I hid that,
0: not hid it, but I left that part of my life out of them. There was a reason. There was I always wanted my wife to be able to ask or answer questions legitimately where she can even take a lie detector test. So she didn't know about my criminal acts. I didn't, it wasn't shared at home. My home life was my home life. The street was my street life. And I didn't bring them together. I never brought my son in to become a maid guy. Um, I thought it was the worst move possible. Why would I want to bring my son in who was going to become a target for the FBI? He might have to kill people. He might get killed. So I kept them completely separate. And uh, for a long time, I bought a horse farm in New Jersey, Cream Ridge, New Jersey, and When I went to that farm with my family, it was, I left everything behind me. Right. And I just enjoyed horses and going to different events with my wife and kids and stuff like that. They're not stupid. They heard stories, saw newspaper articles. But um, if there was any questions, I would tell them that's of your business. Right. People do want to learn more about you,
1: aside from the mob stuff. Can you share with us any like hobbies or interests that you had aside from that life, more on the personal side?
0: Well, like I said, I had a horse farm. My kids, even when I was in Staten Island, I bought a couple of horses for them to ride. There was a stable in Staten Island. I you know made the horses stay there and they went horseback riding and things like that. And I went to all of their events. And I took them to different things. We When we traveled, I went to Puerto Rico a couple of times with my family and my kids. And it had nothing to do with the mafia. It was strictly enjoyment. I took them to Disney World when they like. were kids. So I wanted them to have a legitimate life. My mother and father were legitimate people. My father was a painter. My mother was a seamstress. And I know I oh, I never forgot what I learned from them. Um and I wanted to give them that kind of a bring up of being what they were, not, not, the mafia. It's, it's a different organization. And I wanted to keep those two things separate. And I think I was pretty successful with that. They grew up with, you know, good, you know, I'll give you an idea. I, one time my daughter, I think she was just turning 18 years old. Um, And she wanted to go into business. I opened up a little florist. I knew a guy who was a florist. He quit his job and went to work with her. And I gave her the keys. I set the whole place up. I said, here's the keys. You own it. You open the store and you work for it every day. If you're not here, you lose it. And that's it. I'm not giving you money. I'm not doing anything. You know, I did buy her gifts. But she had to work for what she had to get. Same thing with my son. So I brought them. I didn't want to give them money or wound them. They had to work. And thank God I did that because till today, they work. My daughter is an esthetician. She has a place. She's opening up in New Jersey. Not only uh, is she opening up and she's an esthetician, she's doing all the construction work, doing fixing the place herself like you're supposed to do. You're going to open it. Don't get anything on a silver platter. You got to work for it. You want special walls, build them. Go get a builder and talk to them. I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. So I try to teach them that in life. I didn't want to teach them the mafia. That wasn't part of their life. I I was a bad kid growing up my whole life. I was in gangs. That life fit me like a glove. So I wound up going through it most of my life. And when I was, I went to prison in 90, I was with John Gotti, in 91, I cooperated, and I left the life. It's a whole story. I mean, a lot of people know it, so I will bore people with the whole story. I left the life, changed my life. Um, I got arrested again for ecstasy in Arizona, and I got a 20-year sentence. I did almost 18 years, 17 years, seven months, and I got out, and I didn't know what to do. I was dead, broke. Um, when I got out, I had $430 in my pocket and my daughter let me live with her. I didn't have any clothes. I had nothing. They bought me some jeans, some clothes, stuff like that. I went uh, to try and get social security. I came out of prison when I was 72. Uh, I was fighting for that. Um, I couldn't get any kind of insurance cause I had no history of background So I was a soldier, I was in the military, so I went to the VA, I was being treated over there, um, and I went for food stamps, and uh, my son told me about social media, I started working with social media, and then I, people were talking to me about doing a movie, about my life, and they started working with Hollywood, and, um. And that's where I am now. And I can't think of a better place to uh, social media. I'm meeting guys like you guys, straight up, legitimate, good people. Thank you. I enjoy the the conversations. I enjoy the opportunity to talk and do a show with you guys. Help your numbers go up. And I, I feel good about what I do now and what I became now. So I changed my life. I'm friendly with Michael Franchise. I just did a big interview with him. Um, He changed his life. We got together. We had a great time. We did a a pretty big video. And uh, I'm in the same thing. I've changed my life, you know. So I don't do any crimes or anything like that or murders. Um, What do you like to do for fun? uh, What I like to do for fun. I'm 78 now. There's not a lot of things you do for fun anymore. But I go to... (laughs) parties and things like that i'm invited to people's houses you know i couldn't have been all that bad because i have people who knew me from 30 40 years ago are in touch with me now they're on my platform they reach me all the time they come out here they have parents out here they'll invite me over their houses i go over their houses we'll go in the pool we'll hang out that's what's good you know uh i mean i don't have every physical like when i was younger i played ball Handball, racquetball I did a lot of things Even in prison But um, That's a little Too rough for me now You know My aches and pains Have aches and pains When you're a certain age Yeah So I kind of tone it down I still go to the gym and mm-hmm. I'm in pretty Decent shape for my age But there's not too many sports Or anything I can do I went skiing once And I almost broke my leg me too. I hate skiing. personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> you know, the first time I really <laughs> yeah. stood up, I was must have been doing 90 miles an hour and had to stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way only way I stopped there as I was passing people, I would grab their arm <laughs> and you know, try to stop myself <laughs> and anybody I'm anybody them down the mountain. <laughs> and a couple of people told me, "Listen, don't come skiing no more."
1: <laughs> I tried it. It wasn't for me either. And I said, "That's right. okay. I'm right. cool
0: with that." Right. We got the Mustang parked out front. If you want to them do some bonus do some- in the parking lot it's all yours <laughs> you know i wanted to do something i told my team the girls that i have something on my bucket list before i die i, I drive cars I, I drove getaway cars and i i'm a fast driver i would love to go on a track day you could rent the car yeah. the outfit and race the car around and do that i would love to try that i think they were doing 188 miles an hour. Wow. I would yeah. love to see what that's like. They yeah. give you the supercars, like the Lamborghini. You gives you the stuff? supercar. Yeah, yeah. You rent the car. You rent the track. You rent the outfit. That's cool. And uh, the first time you go in, there's a guy with you, and he can slow it or do something. And he's talking to you and showing you how it goes. And then uh, I'll take over. I did that when we had race horses. Okay, cool. The guy's showing me how to work things and do things. And and uh, I bought a good, pretty good racehorse. And they were trotters in paces where the horse is running. You're sitting on a little cart behind him. So the trainer stood on the side on the pole. And he was telling me what to do. When they jog, they go a certain way. Clockwise. When they race, they go counterclockwise. Right? So he says, don't turn the horse to go counterclockwise because it knows it'll take off on you. So we were jogging it, jogging it. I said, listen, I want to try it. No, you can't. I bought the horse. It was my farm. So I pushed him off the side and I turned the horse around. Wow, this thing took off my gut. I was pulling with all my might and I was pretty strong back then. It was hard to hold him back. Wow. I knew what he was talking about. But I I do a lot of, you know, stuff, a lot of things. Um, I got a great team, great girls. Uh, most of them are the girls. Um, and a, a great team we connect real good um we do a lot of things social media hollywood they're both knowledgeable very knowledgeable of it uh, amina did a little acting and she's knowledgeable in the field so uh, she's knowledgeable and we're working with her she might even be in a movie down the road trying to try nice. and make nice. uh anna w- went to school college the same thing and then uh As she went back to college to become a psychologist, she's graduated. She gets her degree in December. And then she's going to continue to get her master's degree. But she says, I'm just going to hang them on the wall. I want to work here. This is my career. So I got really smart women who have knowledge of the business. So for me to be around them like that, I'm the worst with tech, stuff like that. I'm finished. So they know all of that. They run it. And I have a great time with them. They're very loyal. And I love that. Yeah. on the street. Everything's about loyalty and respect. They're very loyal. The principles I heard you mention already, even with about your
1: kids, I just want to, before we leave that subject, you didn't give them fish. You taught them how to fish. And so they're on their own, but they're dependent. You wanted them to be that way, yes. which is amazing. And then the second thing that I just heard is you surround yourself
0: with the right people, the right T.S., yeah, the right people. And I'm a master at that. You know, being in the life, you analyze people because it, a life, your life or somebody else's life depends on it. So you have to focus in on people. I've never lost that ability. I focus in and then I see good people. I recognize it. You know, I had a guy who wanted me to sell uh, some, uh, what do you call that, uh, drugs? Or, what do you call that? Nutraceuticals. Okay. And the guy came in, and I could make money by selling it. And he's telling me this whole story. And I said, well, if you sell them, the date it's almost expired. It don't matter. What do you mean it don't matter? By the time we mail it out, it's already expired. Right. We're giving it to people to get healthy and stuff. And it won't it won't matter. And I told him, yeah, yeah, all right. Goodbye. Take care. I told Amina. Tell him, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. You know, I could spot right away He's he don't care about the people's health. He cares about money and his pocket. his pocket. And I, I said, no. I, I recognize that one, two, three. I said, yeah. no, no. No argument or not, but I'm not interested in yeah. that kind of bullshit. So, I do some advertisements. Let's say it's food. I always want to try the food. Yeah. So, why do you want to try it? Because if I eat it and it tastes like shit, I'm not going to tell yeah, people this is the best fucking food you can oh, have. Everybody yeah. will say, "Sammy, one thing about him, he's got no sense of taste." It's a thing. It's horrible. So if it's ho- if I think it's horrible, you can't pay me to talk about it it's unless like, you want me to talk about it. Then it's shit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's like in real estate. Like in where we're from, we got a lot of people in the real estate industry. It's the largest real estate board in the world because everybody could just be a realtor. They think it's fast money. They get in and more than half of them have part-time jobs and they're not doing well um but when i talk to my clients i say i wouldn't try to give you this if i wouldn't buy it and a lot of the times if we're dealing with investments i also invest just to show them my money's in this too so either we're both going to make a lot of money we're all going to make a lot of money or we're all going to lose money either way we're in the same boat
0: right and it gives us transparency right so and that's something i would want to hear in other words, and I, we can't make money in everything we do, but if you're trusting the whole group and you're going together, I mean, that's what people want. Yeah. That's what I would want. So if you're dealing with a scam artist, I'm I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm totally not interested. We've been burned. Uh, I've been burned. You've been burned. And I'm sure you know in,
1: in your life there's been moments where you learn from that and mm-hmm. in your past life, and you're like, okay, I don't want to make that mistake again. It costed me and whatnot. Um, I wanted to touch on one more thing when you said you had $430 to your name when you got out of prison and your daughter let you stay with her and then you got on like food stamps and and you're trying to get on social security. Like what did that feel like for you as like a man, as someone who was a big earner, somebody who's now turning the page in his life and you had to go through that? Was there a part of you that said, man, like this doesn't feel good, but I have to
0: do what I have to do to survive right now. No, I have no ego when it comes to things. I was taught you have to work for everything you got. I went to prison. I lost everything I had. It was time to dig in and regain yourself. No matter. You, nothing is beneath me. If people got to go for food stamps because they're broke, I'm broke. I ain't no special person. I'm old nothing. I go for food stamps just like everybody else went for food stamps. I don't feel embarrassed about it. Um, It's just something I got to do to keep going and survive. And then there's steps. You just have to keep gaining and going forward. Now, I tell everybody when I talk a lot of times, I say, don't worry about money when you're going into business or whatever you're doing. Worry about success. Success is like a magnet for money. You achieve success, people like you, people trust you, money will follow. Don't worry about it. It will follow. It's like a magnet. So worry about those things. So me, I was worried about how to eat, that my daughter was going to feed me and I couldn't chip in. So I got food stamps and then brought it home. I was happy about that. I was able to to bring the food stamps and we're able to buy food. Not that she's buying food for me all the time and I'm going to taught and I'm gonna sit on my ass. So I, I I played my part as best as I could. I love that. That's such a strong
1: person's mindset because a lot of people would say I'm not cleaning up uh, the toilets, I'm not cleaning the floors, I'm not washing dishes, but yet they're broke and you know they might have to provide whether it's for themselves or somebody else, but they're not willing to do what it takes. like when you know before we got in the business, we were washing dishes. We were cooking actually at Johnny Rockets. You, you you guys know Johnny Rockets here, the hamburger place, yeah, the old fashioned diner. So we actually visited yesterday. Posted on our social and said where it all began. But a lot of people would have too much pride
0: for that, and it's like I don't call that pride. I I don't know what it is. I listen. I am up off the bottom. I still could get the girls. Maybe they should be on the show. I wash dishes. And my stuff, when I'm done eating, I don't just bring it or give it to somebody to wash it. I go in the kitchen and I wash it. My dog goes to the bathroom. I go pick it up. I clean. I vacuum. I do things when they're not here. Uh, When I see things, I don't just see things and leave it alone so somebody else is going to do it. I don't think I'm... I'm, That's not me. If I see something, I'm going to bend down and pick it up or vacuum or clean it. I'm not embarrassed. end of that. I love that. I mean... You have to do those things. And when you think uh, your shit don't stink, then something's wrong with you. And people, how are you going to get loyalty? People won't respect that. Yeah. Yeah, All the bullshit, he dumps it on us. No. He's not even willing to... Anna just asked me, well, before this interview, you want coffee? I said, I'll make it. And I made my own cup of coffee. I asked you for, it's okay for me to smoke. Um some people wouldn't do that It's beneath me Why should I ask them This is my place This is my thing I, I don't look at it that way I'm not that kind of person I don't look at You know when I got out of prison uh, You know Sammy the bull And uh, A lot of people in Hollywood Knew who I was But uh, They didn't give a fuck Who gives a shit He sent me the bull What's his numbers What is he doing They want to know things like that. They don't care no more what my past life was. They want to know what's his present life. What is he doing now? Is he scheming? Is he stealing? Is he robbing people? Is he doing this? Is he doing that? The answer is no to all of those questions. So they're real comfortable when doing business with me. I don't want to mention the guy's name, but he's a big producer. And I told him I was a little bit short in the cash department. We were ready to sign the contract. Um, my lawyer said, uh, Sammy, the guy sent down 30000 They get a percentage, small percentage, and he sent me down the money. So I said, uh, something's wrong. That is normal. We didn't even sign the contract. How does he know to send me 30000 So he said, I don't know, but he did. Then when I talked to him, I said, listen, bro, why did you send me down that money? We, we didn't even have a contract yet. How could you get it back? Uh, Sammy, we came to an agreement. I trust your handshake. And you needed money, and I gave you the money. Up front. I'm not worried about
1: it. That says and something that about your character. That right?
0: said something about my character. That, And I love the fact that he trusted my word. He trusted my handshake. Um, and that impresses me. Yeah. That makes me love the guy. I mean, so... Um, And we still didn't sign it. We're on the verge of signing it now because there was this actor strike and and the writers, the writers and directors settled. The actors are still going, but that doesn't mean nothing. I'm at that that point anyway, so I'm able to write and pick uh, directors and stuff like that. And when the actors, you know, strike is over, we'll get really going 100%. And uh, now the lawyer's talking to me yesterday, I think, right, Anna? Uh, yesterday. And Matt, uh, I want to sign the contracts and I'm ready. So as it reminds me of my first real estate deal. I was 19 years old.
1: My mom pissed me off because I brought I brought a deal home. I had 15 grand. She told me, no, save your money. And at the time I didn't realize because they lost everything back home coming to Canada. And they just wanted me to be not make a mistake and, and not lose my money. So I was really pissed off and I found this other deal and I really wanted to do it. So I just didn't even tell them they not, they weren't helping me my parents but it was just because we're so family oriented we involve them and i said you know what they're they're speaking into my ear for other reasons let me just go do it on my own what's the worst that could happen and when i went to the guy's office i thought i was getting like a really good deal and i and i somewhat did now that the market did well but when i was looking at the guy and i said i need the payment plan to be this way I said okay you got checks see yeah, i got checks i didn't i didn't have a checkbook or anything but i know i can get checks from the bank he said, okay, go get your checks and come back. And I said, if I leave here, I'm going to go and I'm going to come back. This deal needs to be like solid. So I stuck on my hand. I, shook, I said, I'm old school like that. If I shake your hand, it it's means- a done deal. Right. I just got to go and get the checks or the paperwork or whatever, but that's going to happen. So yeah, I, I respect a lot of that.
0: Yeah. yeah. If you're a big shot and you want to be a big shot or whatever you want to be, then make your handshake mean something. Yeah. That'll make you a big shot. When people, they don't fear me as much anymore. They understand that if I give them my word or I give them a handshake, I'm there for you. That's more important than anything. Fear is one thing, but love and respect is a whole nother thing. You have to earn that love and respect. The only way to earn that, it's not out of fear. It's out of how you conduct yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. the consistency of,
0: Who you are. Your character, your word is your bond, bond, stuff like that is everything. Everybody thinks I get things because of my past. It's not from my past at all. From my past, they will run away. They're scared. But you have to earn that. Now, it's a harder thing for me to earn it because I do have that past. So now I have to really earn it. So now, guys, they're not afraid of my past. They know I gave my word and I'm going to live up to it. Now, if things went haywire and I couldn't sign this contract, even if I didn't have the money, I would take a loan. I would beg, borrow, and steal to pay this guy back. Yeah. And I don't have to. There's no contract. There's no nothing. I have an old story about a contractor years ago when I was in the life. I was a heavyweight. And a Jewish contractor knew, and I was controlling unions. So it was, And I had a big company, uh, a drywall company, I had 200 employees. And I was able to do the work. So they would. They would give me the work. And I was able to f- solve some of their union problems, even if it wasn't one of mine. It was a problem with the electricians. I didn't have the electricians, but I knew somebody who did, so I could help them. So he gave me a piece of the job. No contracts, no nothing. Handshake. And uh, well, during that job, it was a ba- the job was called a bastard. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. You bought bolts, bolts, and the, the nut that goes on it didn't fit. Oh, Everything was a problem. So at the end of the job, he called me up. My brother Eddie, was sitting next to me, and he said, uh, Sammy, we're going to take a tremendous loss. So I said, well, I know the job is going bad, so let's just go and put a full blast in sort of the losses a little bit less. How, mu- how much do you think I'm going to lose? 300 350,000 and I said all right all right but let's put a push so maybe we can get that number down a little bit and uh, so I hung up my brother-in-law was sitting next to me and he says uh, Sammy you're not gonna pay that number right I said why wouldn't I pay it he said you don't have a contract he's a Jew what is he gonna do I said you're right he can't do anything. Really? What could he do to me? Can't sue me. Can't beat me up. He can't do anything. Really. But who in the fuck would ever do another job with me if I do that? And uh, you're, oh, you're crazy. All right. It came down. We I wound up losing 250000 And I paid it. And... Uh, couple of weeks, a month or most later, another Jewish contractor called me up and said, Sammy, how you doing? Good. He says, I heard you took a good beating on that job. You lost 350000 I said, no, I didn't. I lost 250000 He said, but you paid it. I said, yeah. He says, I don't know of a gangster who would do that. You lived up to your word. You didn't have to pay it. There was no reason, but you paid it. The reason was I was partners. I was I would have got my end if it worked, and I paid my loss. Yeah. That was my reason. He said, "That's great. That's great. I have a job. I want to give you peace, and I want to give you the drywall contract." I said, "All right." Now they were both friends, the two Jews. Okay, so came back. I yeah, come back. Like, yeah. I made seven hundred thousand on that job between the drywall my percentage of the profits, 700000 I grabbed my brother-in-law and I said, look, bro, do you think he would have given me this job if I would have beat him? Absolutely not. So. No, no, absolutely no. not. Yeah. So what goes around comes around. I don't give a fuck who you are, or who you think you are. If you act like a fucking man's man, and that's a man, not a tough guy. Man's man are good men. People will go out. People like you go out and you work and you hustle and you're trying to build your business. You're being honorable. You're coming around doing interviews. You flew down here. You brought me a couple of gifts. I appreciated it, uh, but it wasn't for that. It was for that. The last time I did an interview, you were great. I have a tremendous respect for you. you. When they told me they called back, they would like to do it again, absolutely. That's a man's man. You're, you're a man. A guy who goes to work every day and busts his fucking ass to support his family, that's a man. That's a man's man. My father was, had nothing to do with the mafia whatsoever, or my mother. And they work like dogs. Those are good people. I understand that because I had that. So I've taken that part of me from my mother, my father. The mafia, I've learned not only from the mafia. When I was 19, I got drafted into the army. During the Vietnam War, and I was taught how to kill, what to do. They're communists. They are coming here. They're going to rape your mother, your sisters. It's so all you got to hear. All bullshit lies. Yeah. So you're training to learn that. And then I was in a gang, and then in the mafia, in and out of jail. So my life was rough, and I learned that. But thank God I learned to segregate what my mother and father were, what good people are, and what bad people are. I was a bad person, a bad boy at one time. So, you know, good people, they're real men. They go to work. They, maybe they don't kill anybody, which is good. That's a good person. You don't have to be a tough guy to be a fighter or a killer or a, nothing like that. That's, that's part of a life. If I was in the military, I would have killed. Yeah. And I would have got a slap on the back. Good job. When I killed, I, I represented... Metal. Yeah, you get a medal. Yeah. When I killed, I was in Goza Nostra in the mafia. And I killed four the mafia. Four to protect the mafia. I never killed a woman, a legitimate guy, or a kid. It was strictly people. We took an oath, you live by the rules or you died by the rules. Sometimes you died, sometimes you did the killing. I, um, fortunately, didn't die, but I was part of doing the killing. I was a hit guy of mega proportions. I was good at it. And I was used by different bosses, the Colombo family, then the Gambino family, Paul Castellano, then John Gotti. I didn't even want to do half the shit I was doing, but I was good at it and I was chosen to do it. And when I'm chosen and I'm given an order, this is what you're gonna do, I do it. Could you picture a soldier in the military being told to go into this town and do something, and he says, "No, I'm not going to do that." Of course, he's going to do it. Even the even the Nazis did that, right?
1: Even the Nazis did right. that, right? And whether they thought it was right or wrong, that was their job.
0: Yeah, and they've gotten brave. That you know, Nazis will—they were, were horrible people, horrible. But, the, but not all the Germans. And like you're saying, some of those German people went into the military and they followed orders. Yeah. You know, so you can't hate all the Germans because of what. Germany, the Nazis did. It wasn't all of Germany. Yeah. That's true. So, um, on that, on
1: that note, you were you're talking about. You know, you've said this in the past. Your past interviews, and I believe you said it on our interview as well, where everyone knew what they were signing up for when they were getting into the mafia. Absolutely. Either you were going to end up in jail, in, or you might have ended up getting killed. Right? right. You're sitting with us here today. So does a part of you does a part of you you have you have an awesome team, you've got a platform, you're changing people's lives, prison reform, all kinds of good things does a part of you ever and this might sound like a, a silly question, so don't don't don't, no, 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 don't react to or anything but does a part of you ever think to yourself and say, "I should still be in prison for life or I should have been taken out on the streets does a part of me? does that ever enter your mind
0: um there's a couple of times that I, I, I'm i not a, a a guy who files certain religions. I think there's a lot of different religions. I do believe in God. There's times I was shot twice, stabbed once, and I would pray to God and say, God, do I have a guardian angel? How am I surviving some of these things? And if so, tell me, is there a purpose for me to survive this? Is there something you want from me? So this goes to your question. Um, I did what I did at certain times in my life. I thought they were right. Um, I followed them to the T. I do it now with my team or I do something. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Anna's mother got sick. And it told me, she said, my mother's sick. She's going to go out of town for a week. And I said, go ahead. It's a family. Go take care of it. Boom, take took care of them. The girl who does the books said, uh, well, she's not in all week. Should I take, get rid of her pay for the week? I said, no. Why? Because she's doing what she's got to do, which is important. It's important to me. She's shown me what she is as a person. No, I'm not going to. she get paid the full pay like she was here. You have to recognize Certain things like when you're going to deduct somebody's pay or do something. I mean, I don't normally do that. And I look at things and what people have done. I look at myself and what I've done. I have no regrets of what I've done. And I look back and even my prison time, I've learned how to become me now. So many things in my life. I went to prison. Uh, for ecstasy I got a 20 year sentence I did 17 years Seven months I first Six and a half years Of that time Was in the hole I hated it It was so lowly it, it was I've never felt loneliness like that In my life I'm happy it was not to me I know I felt things That I would not Not normally feel I felt Hate I felt Love, I felt things that make you. It's when you're a strong person and you had serious problems, life or death situations, all that, you become stronger. If you're a weak person and these things hit you, you become weaker. I'm a strong person. I lived through those things. I have no regrets. Um, you know, if you could change them, some people would say, some of the things, if I could change them, I would. But I wasn't in control of changing them, so it's that question is mute. I think a lot of people when they hear
1: you say I don't have regrets, I think what they're misunderstanding is you're not you're not saying yeah, I, you know, if I could, if I can go back, maybe I wouldn't have done this or not done that. Maybe you you would, yeah, absolutely. But, but I think the, where what they're misunderstanding is that you learned from all of your life experience. Absolutely, So you don't
0: regret going through prison, As you just said, because you learn so much from it. That's right. And it makes you the per- person you are, the person I am today. So maybe if I was a different person, I would say, Yeah, she's not here all week. Don't pay her. Yeah. Like a lot of corporations and companies would do. Yeah, or screw these guys. We don't want to do another interview with them or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, whatever. Right. Unless they give me X dollars or yeah. I, yeah. I don't care that they're struggling and trying to get ahead and they're doing the right thing. I don't care, but I do care. I, I've, those things taught me in life a lot of things. So when I say I have no regrets, of course I have regrets. I mean, some people died. I mean, if you could change that, would I change it? Of course I would, but I couldn't. And I've learned from those things. I learned what violence does. If I ever wanted to die or you wanted to die, you would want to get shot in the head. It's instantaneous, and you're dead. There's no suffering. There's no nothing. I think it's the best way to die. But the people around you don't feel that. They feel pain. They feel suffering. I've seen all of that. So I've learned things in life. And that's what I mean when I say I have no regrets. It's made me what I am now. I'm sympathetic to certain things, to certain people, um, Certain situations, uh, it's made me a better person. I didn't make those negative things make me a person who's worse or thinking that uh, I give the dishes, she'll wash the fuck, fuck her, she'll wash the dishes or something else. I don't look at myself that way. So it's made me a better person, I think. Um, And, you know, did I like six and a half years in all? Fuck no. But in a way, it's t- it taught me so many different things. I just got done doing an interview with the warden, who was the warden of the ADX Supermax. The guy sent me a beautiful letter, card. We started corresponding. We did an interview with him. It's a three-part episode. It will be coming out the later part of this month. And he had a tremendous respect on how I did time, how I did my time, and how I conducted myself. Six and a half years in a row, people fall apart. They lose their mind. They hang themselves. They do all kinds of things. Um, That didn't happen to me. And I've learned what it is, that solitude, that that kind of confinement. I'm fighting for prison control, uh, prison reform now. That's what's made me do those things. You can't make somebody better in prison when you treat them like shit. The warden of the ADX supermax did not do that. He sympathized. He was the warden. He had to follow rules. But he sympathized with people who were doing the time. He said something to the girls in the letter, in the interview, and he says, uh, Sammy, I came by with all heavyweights with government and the news media by yourself. The cell door opened up and we were standing there, a pack of us, and some of them wanted to ask you questions. And then you turned around and said, Warden, did you hear I got really good news? And he said, no, I didn't hear what happened. I said, I saved a ton of money on my car insurance <laughs> by changing <Yeah>. to Geico, <laughs> And now... He- <laughs> they all looked at me. People had their mouths open. When they walked away, a couple of them said he lost his mind. He, he's doing life. I mean, he'll never get out, more than likely. And this is making a joke about. So he said, no, he's got a sense. He's still got a sense of humor. He's still got everything going. So, and I had, the way I conducted myself, he came back. We're friends now. He's going to help me with prison reform because he thinks that punishment is too excessive. And, uh, you know, I talk about people who are in prison and stuff like that. So it's made me, everything that happened in my life has made me who I am now. Now, would I be fighting for some people who are in prison to get out? Of course, I know it's totally unfair. I have a guy, Bobby Manor, who was the cousin of the Genovese family. He's Ninety-one, mainly one, I guess, because I've been fighting with him for a while, for him for a while. I guess maybe he's 92 now. He's been in prison over 40 years, sick as a dog. Let him out so he can die at home with his family. He's not going to crack an egg. He's not going to do anything. So I would tell the judges or the people who make those decisions, you say, I'm a bad guy. You're a good guy. You're you're worse than me. You just want to grind this person's life to nothing until he's dead. And then his family you're hurting all of them. You're not better than me. Yep. You're the same as me or worse. Yeah, that kind of situation,
1: like it makes sense. He's yeah. 91 years old. What's he going to do? No. And he's not really going to do
0: anything. He's dying. I mean, he's, he's, like he's, sick. Sick. he's, he's got God. 40 years and he's and he's dying. He's sick. Yeah. I mean, so, and then these are things that are making me fight for prison reform, things I went through. So what I know, all of the what I know now if I didn't go through this life. So when I say I I have no regrets about a lot of things, of course I regret being in a hole for six and a half years. I regret murders that happened. People who, not the people who died. A lot of those people deserve to die. Just like if you went to Vietnam, some of those soldiers deserve to die. But their women and their children with bombs, they didn't deserve to die. So there's a good and a bad in that whole thing. Could we change what happened in the Vietnam War? No. Could we learn from it? Yes. Could we change slavery, what they did to black people? No. It happened back then. Could we learn from it and change? Yes. And there's wars and things all over the world. i am just picked one or two things. There's hundreds of things. I know a couple of times when I said I have no regrets, I got some negative comments. But they're thinking in a closed-minded way. They're thinking you have no problem that you killed people and you did this and
1: you, you did that. They're thinking that's that's what they're thinking. Right. But they're they're
0: misunderstanding you're talking about the lessons and what's led you to where you are. Today. Right. And if they ever listen to my podcast and listen to me closely, they would see in my voice how it tears me the fuck up when I even talk about it sometimes because I can visualize it and I know the fucked up part. So when I tell the story, it's not that I'm taking telling the story, gloating or doing something. Half of the times, uh, maybe it's my older age, I I never cried in my life too much, but I almost get to the point where I choke up and I can't even completely tell the story. So of course I have regrets about that and what happened, but there's nothing I could do to change. It. it was the time. It was what happened. It's what I was fighting for, what I believed in. So I have regrets about it, but I can't. you I, know I, I, there's a lot of guys who go to prison. And uh, after a while, they found Jesus, and they found God, and they found this, and they found that. People ask me that question. I said, no, I didn't find him. I never found Jesus. I always believed in God, so I didn't have to find him. I didn't find certain things. And i asked some of the guys who had said it in prison. I found Jesus. Good. Where'd you find him? What cell was he in? What was he dressed like? They can't answer those questions. You found Jesus. That's fucking bullshit. You turn around. I found Jesus. You want to get out. And I'm not a lot, saying... A lot of them use it. Yeah, of course. They, yeah. they use it left and right. Religion and... Use religion, or I found this, and I found that, and I found you found that you got enough time and you want to say any fucking thing to get out. Now, I'm not saying all of them do that. Some people, maybe they did find it that way. Everybody's looking for a way to for forgiveness and to do certain things. Right. I'm a realist. Um, I don't know about finding anything or how God's gonna treat me. I think that when these people bullshit, God's gonna be a little more. Hateful towards that. You use my name in vain. You lied about me. You didn't believe in me. Yeah. Us shall, and know. then we believe that God made us. He made lions and he made lambs. I'm a fucking lion. Yeah. At any time, I will tell God if and when I meet him. You could have stopped me at any time. You have that kind of power. Why didn't you stop me? So I was gonna, we
1: were gonna lead into this question, and that was a perfect segue. You you believe in heaven or hell?
0: You believe in both? I don't believe there's a hell. I believe I don't even know if it's heaven. I don't know what it is. I think planet Earth it is heaven and hell combined. It could be heaven, heavenly, depending on how you go. You don't have to have money. You could have a great fucking family and a great life. That's heavenly. My mother found I had heaven on earth. Uh, hell, I, I, you know, I heard a comedian one time say, you know, if they were talking about Catholics. If you don't come through Jesus Christ, you're not coming to heaven. You can say, you know, for, ask for forgiveness, and they'll give it to you. He's very generous. But if you don't come through Jesus Christ, they'll send you to hell. You'll burn, you'll suffer for eternity. He don't sound that fair to me. I mean, he's a little hateful. He wants to just make them burn and suffer eternal. I I, that's one of the biggest misconceptions I feel like a
1: lot of people have regarding like Christianity in general, because I think the biggest difference between that and what the real belief is, I don't think God wants anyone to burn, right? And that's why no. you know in the Christian faith, what we believe is He sent Jesus to come down to die for us. So that people could have an opportunity to live. Because realistically speaking, the only difference between heaven and hell is heaven, you're with God, and hell, you're not with God. Because God obviously won't force anyone
0: to live with it. But that's what the way they put it. Now, um, Jesus, you just made a statement. Um, Um, Jesus put his son on a cross to be tortured, beaten, nailed to a cross to save everybody else for their sins. I find a hard time to swallow that. Because I have a hard time with that. And listen, if you're bad guys, I would not put my son on the cross and torture him like that to save you guys. I will. I don't know how God could do that. If he wanted to save those guys, he could save them. If he wanted to torture them, he could torture them. Whatever he wanted to do. He didn't need to torture his son. I think that's something that they... Sounds great. Sounds great. He did this to his own son. So do I buy that? I, I, I have a hard time. I buy it, but I don't swallow it. I love, the,
1: I love the transparency. We had no plan to go down this. This is great, this conversation. like, And I want to... What about this way? Have, have you heard it? Have you heard it presented this way? So let's say, let's say you and I, maybe we shouldn't say this, let's say Danny and I. <laughs> Danny and I, we go out, we could com- commit a murder. They catch us, we go in front of a judge, and they're gonna throw the book at us. Life sentences. And I go in front of the judge and I go, hey, judge, it's my younger brother, he's got his life ahead of him. Just give it to me, only me. I'll, I'll do his time or whatever case may be. It's already a life sentence. And if that judge was a good and honest judge, he'll look at me and say, what the hell are you talking about? You both committed the crime. You're both going to do the time. So I think if you're God and you're looking at this, everyone to you, if God is this thing, this being that's supposed to be all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect, then anything that humans do, we make mistakes every day. So anything we do doesn't come up to that standard of, of God. And so if that judge is a good and honest judge, they'll put us both in prison. So if God is a good and honest God, technically by our own actions, nothing, we can never do anything to amount to his standard. No. So if he's a good and honest God, which we would want to believe in a good and honest God, not a corrupt God then he's going to throw all of us in hell, not because he wants to, but because he has no it's choice. Right it's right
0: and just. We cannot conform to his standard. I never heard it said that way, but that's a pretty good way of saying it. So he wouldn't throw us in hell and he will not bring us to heaven. In other words, this is heaven and hell. If he created us, and I believe, I'm an artist as well, I do artwork. Um, I look at the sky and sunset or sunrise and they say oh, who can do that kind of art who can do that there's got to be a God there's so many beautiful things that there has to be a God well, it's like- yeah. but he's not going to interfere with us in any way shape or form it's your life is now there's Wic- Wiccans they have a different religion I studied a couple of different religions while I was in prison Wiccans Wiccans okay And um, they believe that we are basically, um, what do they call it? This power in our body, the Uh, spirit, the spirit, uh, in other words, our body becomes, it dissolves. And that chemistry or whatever they call it, I forgot, goes out and it goes out to the planet. It feeds the trees, the grass, the animals, other people. It's not that you become another person, but... You're gone. You're gone. You're, you're, your existence is over. Right. And they believe in the woman is more powerful than God. God, they have a lot of gods. Okay. The woman is, in Wiccan, is the, is the most powerful one. She is, because of the fact that she needs a man's seed, but she creates life. In her body. Man can't do that. She can get his sperm and create a a person. And then through giving birth, she creates life. So she's the creator. And they call her the goddess of the planet, on the moon, the water, and the earth. She's the goddess. Then there's gods. Now, the most powerful god starts to die in the fall he starts to lose his power during the winter he starts to die before he dies she takes him and puts him in her womb and feeds him and keeps him alive spring comes she gives birth to him again and he's there and then she, it's a whole cycle of how the plants live, stuff like that. It's a very interesting. That interesting. Never heard that it's a very interesting religion, and it's why she's the head person is because she can take the god and put him in you know and feed him until she gives birth to him again, so he doesn't die. And uh, it's you know, so all these religions have different uh, things. I was in, in Indian ceremonies and um i forgot when it was 2004 something like that they stopped smoking in all the prisons especially federal prisons i wanted to smoke and i would go out into the yard and there was indians native american indians sitting and they had blankets around them if there wasn't a teepee but it was blankets around them they would have a, a shell and they would burn stuff and and do their ceremony and stuff like that. Okay. And they were able to smoke in the pipe. Mm. There was an Indian tobacco. It had twigs in it and everything. But they could smoke and pass it around. Yeah. And uh, so I went to them and I said, listen, that you're actually smoking that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Could I join the group? And he said, well, you have to go ask the chaplain and the counselor. In federal prison. they could change your religion. Okay. So I said, all right. But I would be accepted with you guys. Yeah. So I went to the chaplain. I went to the unit manager. They changed me from being a Christian to an Indian. And I joined the group. Simply to smoke and steal some of the tobacco so I could bring it back to my cell at night, light it up and smoke <laughs> it when the gods did this little bullshit walk around. I got to respect their religion. and uh, I started to understand it and learn it. And it's a little, it's not that complicated, but they have a great, you know, thing. They believe in grandfather, not Jesus Christ. They believe it's old grandfather. That's their path to God. Right. Wicca has another path. Jews have another path. Muslims have another path. Everybody's got a path to God. And I used to say, why are we all fighting if we all believe in God? It's just your path. His path is different than yours, and it started to wane on my belief in different religions, because they're all different. They all have different stories that make sense to them. Just like Jesus was put on the cross, and that story makes sense to people. They love it, and it's a good story. Is it true? Would God do that to his own son to save other sinners? I wouldn't. If I was God, you could bank on it. I'm not putting my son on the cross to save anybody. So, um Makes you makes you really wonder about the
1: about the, the about the whole like, life love cycle aspect and everything life. and how all that works. But especially if if that is true about uh, the sacrifice, the love that it must have taken for that group of people to to put up the son, because you must really love these people if you're willing to do that. Because as you said, as you a father, sure? like I, yeah. I'm thinking, like we just became dads. Yeah. I can't fathom okay. that idea.
0: Me either. Yeah, I have yeah. a daughter and I have a son and I have grandchildren and I could never do it. Yeah, You couldn't pay me. You could put a gun in my mouth and say, if you do it or I'm going to blow your head off. I would tell him, pull the trigger because I can't do it. Yeah. And I'm a tough guy and I have did murders. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. And betraying my friends, I feel the same way. I can't do certain things. You know, as bad as you think I am, I there's certain things I just can't do. You know, I had a guy with me, the old man Peruda, And he was dying of cancer. Suffering like a dog. And one day when I went to see him, he said, Sammy, I don't want to die this way. He says, kill me. Put a bullet in my head. I said, I can't, bro. I, can't. I can never pull the trigger. I could never be able to do that. I can't. I love you, bro. I can't. You could, I know you could. And uh he was beggar. And having somebody beg you like that who you love, I felt how could I say no? This is the only time the guy ever asked me for anything of importance and him to tell him no. So I went back, John Gotti was in prison, I sent a message, I had made him on his deathbed become a made guy and I asked permission to kill him and John Gotti said no, you made him, he made him on his deathbed, we don't kill we don't do mercy killings, no and I went back, I felt relieved a little bit, I told him Joe and John said no and he said fuck John, I don't give a fuck about him, I never did I love you, I'm asking you put me on a spot so fucking bad that I turned around and I said, uh, I'll do it. I went home and and I got my bottle on people. I said, listen, make sure his family's not in the house. He's in the back room where the back door is. Um, make sure nobody's in the house. I'll come in and, uh, I'll put a pillow over his face and I'll put a bullet in his head. I'll make him die the way he wants to die. My wife had said, because it took a little while, what's the matter? I said, "Nothing." What's the matter? I said, I said, mind your fucking business. What's the matter? My friend is dying. Yeah. So, mind your business. Don't ask me nothing. I had the gun or the salads or ready to go and the day it was going to happen i was in my house sick as a fucking dog that i was about to kill one of my best friends in a mercy kill uh we never even thought of doing anything like that and uh my wife came in and said listen eddie's on the food All right, I'm thinking that the house is clear and I'm going to leave. So I get on the phone. I says, is everything done? No, Sammy, did you hear? Hear what? He got sick early this morning. They put him in an ambulance on his way to the hospital. He died. I was relieved. But I was sick at the same time. I did not make him die the way he wanted to die. His only fucking request to me, I didn't fulfill. I hated myself for a while. His daughter knows that story. I'm friendly with the f- whole family. Always, I was always still friendly with she, she said, Sammy, I heard the story. I know the story and I'm so glad that you didn't. So again, regrets. Do I regret this? You hear me choking up right now? I'm, I'm choking. I, I just, I, I, I don't, don't want to say it, but for our audience, I could see you hearing up. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. am. I'm, t- I'm, I'm literally, I get sick every time I talk about it or think about it. And that's my murder. I, I get sick about it and talk about it. And I try to put it out there as part of my life. It's what happened and, and goes, oh, and should it happened, And people, I'm trying to make people understand. So when people say, okay, hey, he don't care, he has no regrets, I, I have regrets. But I live with them. They're mine. They're mine. I'm not sharing mine. I share them when I talk about my stories. I think that's the only thing that keeps me human is to tell the truth, tell my story, like it or don't like it. Who hates me hates me. Who loves me loves me. Who fucking don't like it. I don't give a fuck. So it's the only release valve I have is talking and telling my stories. But every time I could tell this story a hundred times, a hundred times in a row, It will choke me the fuck up. So that's a regret. Yes, there are regrets. And the regret is I I didn't do it. Not that I did it, that I didn't do it. And I failed him. The only thing he ever fucking asked me for. And I didn't do it. I think I would have felt better if I did it. Uh, A little bit better. Not much, but all of those things, murders and stuff like that, I was asked a lot of questions. What's life changing? Every single one of them was life changing. When you, I went to the hospital to see my father in bed, getting real sick. We talked about pulling the plug when it got bad, and we agreed. I can remember every little thing about it. It's life changing to me. It it imprinted in my fucking head and my body. My mother, the same thing. In the hospital So these things yeah, they're Life changing Do I wish my mother didn't die like that Do I wish I could change that Yes Could I change it No Do I have regrets that I was in the hospital The answer is no But I wish it wouldn't happen in the hospital I wish it wouldn't happen in front of me I wish I wasn't there But that's wishing bullshit I was there So that's what I say when I say I have no regrets. I have no regrets. I saw my mother die, my father die. It made me something different. It gave me stories. Um one day with the old man Peruda. seemed tremendous pain towards the end. And uh I said, You want me to get these doctors? I'll get some more. Of this whatever it is, morphine or whatever it is, I'll make them pump you up you know, you'll die every way it doesn't matter, Uh, no and then I looked down, I walked out, I came back in I looked up and he's smiling I said, you feel better?" No What are you smiling about? Love What are you talking about? I had so many good things in my life that were beautiful, Sammy. That's all I think about. I don't feel the fucking pain when I have that love. Love was a potent fucking thing that conquered fucking pain and everything else. So, do I regret that moment with that? Fuck no. I don't. I've learned from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I say I have no regrets, it's it's, it's 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 I don't know what kind of statement that is, and how people take it. I can understand they take it in the wrong way. It's not actually what I mean, but it it is what it is. All right, let's go on because I'm going to start getting emotional and I'll cry, and then I got to kill the two of because I can't. <laughs> I can't cry. If I can
1: the- I get away with it if I help you get <laughs> rid of this guy? <laughs> Will you let me up the hook if I get rid of him? For <laughs>